whole thing about motherhood and fatherhood, it brings us to the topic of family. There's nothing like family. Family is the most amazing thing ever. And when you see a family that is healthy, there is nothing more amazing than a healthy, more amazing than a healthy family. I love like looking at family reunions, as long as I'm not part of it. And uh, seeing like other people's family unions, reunions, they all get the same t-shirts and stuff like that, real cheesy. But uh, you know, you go to these family reunions and you see people and there's lots of joy and there's lots of laughter. People have seen each other for many years and um, but then you could always spot the moms right the moms are the ones they're always busy doing stuff they're chatting they're cooking they're, they're, they're doing all this uh, all this other stuff catching up with people but they're always at the corner of their mind uh, out of the corner of their eye looking over seeing the kids telling the kids like not to do something or you know going and uh, and, and disciplining the kids or playing with the kids uh, there's nothing quite like a healthy family dynamic. This last Christmas, uh, my wife's family, they had a family reunion in Florida. So we went over Christmas. And uh, for those of you who are not familiar with my wife, my wife is a Latino and she has a family like the tribe of Israel. There are millions of them. And so we walk into the house and everybody's speaking Spanish. So after five minutes, my head is hurting because I can't process quick enough what everybody's saying. And uh, But it's great to see because people are hugging, they're laughing, there's joy, you know, they're staying up till all hours in the morning and nobody's getting any sleep and they're happy at the beginning of the week, then they're shouting at each other at the end of the week because no one's getting any sleep. But it's great to see. This year, my family, we are going to have a mini little reunion ourselves where we are actually all going to be together for the first time for 10 years. And uh, my, my mother, her grandchildren have never all been in the same place at the same time. And so I was able to give her a call uh, a couple of weeks ago and tell her that we are all going to be in the same place at the same time. And oh boy, it made her year. You know, what is it about mothers and grandmothers just loving their children coming together? But there's nothing like family at all. Family is great. And uh, and even having a functional, healthy family, there's nothing like it. But what we're starting to see in our culture is... The dysfunction and unhealthy families starting to take over and become more popular than having a healthy, functional family. We're finding that kids are growing up never really experiencing a true father. We see other kids, they're growing up, they've never really experienced a true mother. And bad things happen when, when there is no fatherhood or there's no motherhood. And, and there may be some here today and you are single parents. And if you are single parents, then you've got one of the hardest jobs in the world because you've got to be a mother and a father. And that's why it's important that as a church, we surround our single parents and help them and, and be there for them so that they don't have to feel that weight all by themselves. See, there are kids growing up today who will never experience a true father. There are kids who are growing up who will never understand true family dynamics. There are kids who are growing up and their parents are way too controlling. And there's other kids growing up and their parents don't even care at all. I used to work with a lady. She was like the most controlling mother I'd ever seen in my life. Her 22-year-old son still lived with her and she gave him an 11 p.m. curfew. I'm like, what 22-year-old has an 11 p.m. 
curfew, but she had that. And then she had a 26-year-old son who was married, who was buying his own house, and she had the final say on the house. I'm like, that woman is way too controlling. I'm like, let off a little, let the boys go, you know? Uh, But there are people like that. Now, the statistics are amazing where you start to see the breakdown of the family unit. And these are just some of the statistics for, for, for uh, single f- uh, parent families. Children in broken homes where there is only one parent are four times more likely to live in poverty than when the f- family unit stays intact. That's amazing. Four times more likely. Children born into single parent dynamics statistically show higher levels of aggressive and emotional problems. This is the equivalent, their emotional problems are the equivalent of an adult going through 5.25 long term romantic breakups. So for those of you, you're still hanging on to your childhood romance because the dreamy boy at school like broke up with you and you've got all these scars throughout you know, your life because of it. Kids in single families, they deal with emotions even worse than that. Infant death rates, I don't even know how they come up with this, but infant death rates are 1.8 times higher for infants as single mothers than married mothers. Children in single family homes have significantly higher odds of incarceration and being involved in crime than children who are in whole family units. Studies show that the rate of teen pregnancy and leaving school without a high school diploma are far greater in single parent environments than a whole family unit. Homes with only one or no parent have a much higher rate of drug use and obesity than homes where fathers and mothers dwell together. That is why we need to lift up our single mothers and come around our single parents, single mothers and single fathers. And we need to support them as a church. That is why we need family in this culture, in this society. We need the dynamic of family. And our culture is very good. The statistics show that our culture is very good at having people or raising up our children so that they can go to college or they can be employable. But what about in the church? What about the family dynamic of the church and having people grow up so that they can live in this wonderful journey of faith in Jesus Christ? What about them? See, If that's true for health and education and life choices and emotions and finance, that people are better when there is a whole family unit, then how much more does it speak on about faith? See, so many people think parenting is just about providing food or home or education to kids so that when they get old enough, they can just be by themselves. That isn't parenting. Parenting is this, parenting is about preparing your children to launch them into the world so that they can make a difference in this world. That's what parenting is all about. It's not about hiding your kids away and sheltering them so that, you know, nothing can happen to them at all. It's about preparing them so that one day they can step out on their own and they can make a difference in this life. 
That's what parenting is all about. And I ask you today, I wonder, are we doing the same for young Christians or young people who are young in the faith, children in the faith? Are we helping them to and, and preparing them to launch into the world so that they can make a difference for the gospel of Jesus Christ? See, I've noticed one thing kind of above all else over the last five years that we've had this thing called Generation Church. I've noticed it in our church and I've noticed it in other churches as well. And this is what I've noticed and it's kind of, it's, it's kind of like a hot button issue for me. It, it kind of aggravates me a little. But I've noticed that there is a dearth of people who are willing to become spiritual parents to younger people in the faith. I remember growing up, there was always like Auntie Bertha or, you know, Uncle, you know, Joe. And they would come and they would put your arm around you and they would help you in the faith. They would become spiritual parents to you. They would pray for you. They, they would walk alongside you. You know you could sit down and talk to them about anything. And what I'm starting to see is this dearth of spiritual parents who are bringing up the younger Christians behind them. And that's why I'm so thankful for some of the mature people here at Generation Church. I'm not saying the rest of you are immature at all, so, you know. But the people who are more mature in their faith, maybe older in their faith, I am so thankful for them here at Generation Church because we need you. One of the things I've heard so many times uh, throughout the five years of Generation Church, from day one, we heard this day one of Generation Church, and we, we hear it all the time, even today. We hear people come in saying, I love Generation Church. I like Generation Church. I think what you guys are doing is a great thing. But there's nobody my age. So I'm going to go somewhere where there are people my age. Because I want to connect with people my age. Most of the time, those people aren't the younger people. They're people who are more middle-aged and ascending from middle age. And every time I hear that, I always want to like, like get my, my hands and wring it around the neck and like shake them and say this. Don't you realize there are so many young people in the faith, young families, young mothers, young fathers. They need spiritual parents. Will you mentor them? Will you help them? Will you help raise them so that they are not on their own? Because can you imagine a generation where there's no parents at all? We'll be like Peter Pan and the Lost Boys. That's what it's like. We need spiritual parents. We need people who are willing to make a difference. And so that's why I'm so thankful for the more mature people who are here at Generation Church. Let me tell you, you are making a difference. You are making a difference. You, you are doing a good thing. And, 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 and if you think, well, I'm just like on my own out there, like there's no one in my age. You know what? There's young people here, they want to hear from you. They want to listen to your stories. They want to listen to how you, you were able to continue in your faith. They want to hear how you kept your marriage together. They want to hear how you were able to raise your children. They, they want to watch you. They want to learn from you. They want to know when life gets really hard, how do we get out of that? There are young people here in our church, young couples, young families, and they want to hear from you. And so I'm glad that you have made this your home because we need you. See, a family dynamic needs all generations, 
Not just the young, not just the old. It needs all generations. And so with that in mind, I want to sort of take a look at the family dynamic in the church. The church family dynamic this morning. And we're going to look at a book in the Bible called the book of Titus. The book of Titus is found towards the, the, the end of the New Testament. It's after like Thessalonians and, and the books of Timothy. And it's before Hebrews. It's a tiny little book. And so if you have your Bibles, if you want to turn to the book of Titus. Now this book is all about a letter that was written by the Apostle Paul to a young pastor called Titus. Titus was a mentee of Paul. Paul mentored him as a pastor. And Paul wrote a letter to him to help him as he was pastoring a church on the island of Crete in Greece. And in Titus chapter 2 and verse 1, this is what Paul says to Titus. As for you, Titus, promote the kind of living that reflects wholesome teaching. Promote the kind of living that reflects wholesome teaching. So he's telling Titus, he says that you are to promote a way of lifestyle. A wholesome lifestyle that others are to follow. So that's basically, as we, we look now at the rest of, or, or some of the, the verses in chapter 2, it's all with this in mind that we are to promote a wholesome lifestyle. So the first thing that Paul tells Titus is this. He talks about spiritual fathers. Spiritual fathers. Titus chapter 2 and verse 2 says this. Titus, teach the older men to exercise self-control, to be worthy of respect and to live wisely. They must have sound faith and be filled with love and patience. There's an issue in the world today that I see. I'm not talking about church, I'm just talking about in our culture. And this is what I see. I ask myself this question. Where have all the fathers gone? Where have all the fathers gone? Especially in the inner city. You see it even more. But it's happening more in suburbia as well. Where have all the fathers gone? You see men everywhere. You see men all over the place. But you don't see as many fathers anymore. There's a difference between a man and a father. And just because you have children does not necessarily mean that you are being a father. A father is a role, it's a responsibility of great responsibility. And I ask myself, where have all the fathers gone? See, I think of my father. And I think of the sacrifices my father made for us as children. I, I think of the, the wisdom he imparted in us. I think of the, the, the direction he, he led us in. How he prayed over us. And, and he took us under his wing. And, and when I was down, he would, he would come and put his arm around me and say, you know, it's, it's going to be okay. And, and when I thought too highly of myself, he, he, he was the one who was like, hey, let's bring you down to earth. When I, when I broke the windows at home with my soccer ball, like his ring would come across my head, you know, it's like, you know, but I'm thankful for that. I'm thankful for his discipline. I'm thankful for, for how he led us and instructed us and guided us when he had honest conversations with us. I'm thankful that my father was present. Thank you. He was present. And you know what? I respect him for that. I realized that I'm the man I am today because of my father. He wasn't the perfect guy, still isn't the perfect guy at all. 
He needs to lose a little weight, I think, you know? But he was a father. And I think where have all the fathers gone? See, today you see so many men who have vacated their role as father and they've left this whole parenting thing to women. That's what a lot of people have done. They've either made poor life choices and decided to get out of the family unit or they think they're still in the family unit but they've got all their priorities messed up and they're not even present in their own home at all. And Paul tells this young pastor, Titus, he says to teach the older men. Now, I still consider myself young. Some of you in your 20s, you're like, Alex, you're old. I still consider myself young, okay? And so one of the hardest things I've discovered as a, as a young pastor is this, is actually teaching people who are older and maybe wiser and more experienced than me. It's a tough thing to do, to teach up. To people who really should probably know better. And Paul is telling Titus, he says this, teach the older men. Teach the ones who are the elders. Teach the ones who, who are the more mature. Teach those who, who, who maybe are stronger in their faith and, and, and have been on this faith journey a long time. He says this, he says, teach them that they should be self-controlled. Self-control. I think there's nothing worse in this life than seeing a man who has got married, had kids, brought up their kids, hit middle age, and decided to trade his family in for some Barbie girl. I mean, there's just nothing worse in the world, I think. Because the guy's got no self-control. I mean, what is he thinking anyway? Trust me, there's probably more issues with the Barbie girl than there is with your family. But that's what a lot of guys do because they've got no self-control. And so Titus is saying to the older men, you must have self-control. He says that you should show wisdom to others and be strong in your faith. Instead of as the older you get that your faith declines, your faith should increase and grow and grow. He says that they must be respected and filled with love and patience. I remember growing up. That we were like young teenagers, we'd sit in church and this was before the day where we had like kids ministry and youth ministry while church was going on. We would sit in church and we'd be bored because the preacher would be going on and on. So we'd be talking and talking and the, some of the old guys would just get so mad with us. I mean like really mad. They'd be like, shut up, shut up, you know. And, and then like after service we'd go out, uh, you know, and like we'd go around the back in the parking lot and, you know, we would like mess up the flowers and, you know, and, and everything. And they would get so angry with us, like really mad. There was no patience at all. And this is what Paul is saying to Titus. Tell the older men that they must have love and patience. Love and patience. This is the problem I I, I, I see so often with people in the church. Or men specifically in the church. We've got too many people who want to be instructors and teachers and not enough fathers. People who want to tell others what to do, but are not willing to make the sacrifice of being a father. The Apostle Paul was a spiritual father to the Corinthians church. He uh, basically, he started that church and he went out and he, 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 he cared for them and, and he prayed with them and, and he was there for them. He told them when they did wrong and he celebrated with them when they did right. And this is what he said in 1 Corinthians 4 verse 15. 
He said, for even if you had 10,000 others to teach you about Christ, you have one spiritual father. Because I became your father in Christ Jesus when I preached the good news to you. So this is what an instructor and a teacher does. An instructor or a teacher, they help you pass a test. They help you to gain knowledge, to, to become more knowledgeable. But what a father does, a father is someone who stays, who is present in your life and helps prepare you to be launched so that you can make a difference in this life. And what we see so often in church, we see men who want to instruct, but not ones who want to father. And Paul did not hold back from the Corinthians. He treated them like a father treats his children, with love, with patience, with respect, And with discipline as well. And so if you are someone who is more mature in the faith today. You know that you've been on this faith journey a little while and you've learned some things. Then I ask you today, are you becoming a spiritual father? Are you taking younger Christians under your wing and you are helping them to develop into all that God has intended them? Helping to prepare them so we can launch them so that they can make a difference for the gospel of Jesus Christ. The second thing we see here in in Titus is what I call spiritual mothers. Spiritual mothers. It's what Paul said to Titus in Titus 2, chapter, uh, chapter 2, verse 3 to 5. He said, Teach the older women to live in a way that honors God. They must not slander others or be heavy drinkers. Instead, they should teach others what is good. These older women must train the younger women to love their husbands and their children, to live wisely and be pure in the, in the work of their homes, to do good and be submissive to their husbands, that they will not bring shame on the word of God. Well, I think one of the biggest issues in our culture, in our cultural dynamic, is absent fathers. I honestly believe that it's not the only issue, but one of the biggest issues in the modern day church is the absence of spiritual mothers. Spiritual mothers. We've got lots of women in churches, actually, there's more women in church than men, but the absence of spiritual mothers. Just imagine what your mother means to you. What does your mother mean to you? Imagine if she was never there, that she, she, she had never nurtured you or cared for you or bore you up. Imagine for a moment that you were brought up by a bunch of nuns. Okay? Nuns, most of them are wonderful ladies. You've got some who like hit your hands with a ruler and stuff, you know. But most are wonderful. But the one thing, the difference between a nun and a mother, a nun will never be a mother. It will be a lady who will instruct you, but will never be a mother. Now think about all the young people who have come to faith in Jesus Christ. And a huge number of them will never have a mother who will guide them in the faith. A spiritual mother who will guide them in the faith. Paul is very practical with Titus. And he tells him to teach the older women to live honorable lives. Lives that others can model. So what this means, it means no gossiping or slandering. What I've noticed about women, I've worked with lots of different women, and like my bivocational job is like an office full of women. And this is what I noticed. Women like to talk. I mean, you know, more than men. 
There's some guys who like to talk a lot, but women like to talk more than men. And women like to connect with each other more than men. And that is great when it's a healthy thing. Because we need connection and we need to actually communicate. So talking is the best way to communicate. But when there is an unhealthy environment, that talking and connecting often turns to gossiping and slander. And it breaks down unity and breaks down a family unit. And so Paul says this, teach them not to slander others. He says that they should keep drinking to a minimum. And I'm just going to leave that right there. The women mature in their faith should take the younger women under their wing and they should show them what a good marriage is. Did you know that you can have a good marriage? You don't have to get divorced after five or ten years. You don't have to get divorced when the kids go to college. You can have a good marriage. To show them what a loving and submitting to your husband actually means. We've changed that word submitting to make it some evil word, right? Like the Bible's sexist, but submitting, reading the biblical context, means showing your man respect and saying, I believe in you. It's really what it means. Showing them. And that's what the older women should do. They should show the younger women how to raise their kids. Not leave it to some Facebook group of like other 20-year-olds who are all going through the same issues. But they should show them how you can raise good kids. Show them what purity means. The one thing we see with women who grow up without mothers, often they lose their purity pretty soon. There's nothing like a mother to show what purity is, and we need purity in the church. My grandmother was a great example. I saw people today tell me, my grandmother Elsie, she died in 1983, and I still have people today tell me she was an incredible spiritual mother to me. They say, we are in the faith because she took us under our wings. There's pastors here today who are pastoring churches all over the world, and it's because my grandmother decided to become a spiritual mother. She was a single mother. She didn't have a husband, and she had her own children to bring up, but yet she still decided to mother other people and they are making a difference in the world today we're losing young men in the church because of a lack of spiritual fathers but many of the issues today are happening in the local church because there's a lack of spiritual mothers look what a mother does in a family it unites a family like mothers unite things they they bring things together they have this natural ability and so spiritual mothers have this natural ability to to bring health and vitality to a church that's why we need spiritual mothers and very quickly today the last thing he says is spiritual children titus chapter 2 verses 6 to 8 says in the same way encouraging the young men to live wisely And you yourself, you must be an example to them by doing good works of every kind. Let everything you do reflect the integrity and seriousness of your teaching. Teach the truth so that your teaching can't be criticized. Then those who oppose us will be ashamed and have nothing bad to say about us. I love children. I love having a child in my house. Just their intrigued by everything they're so pure there's no baggage but they have a natural element to trust others and also this natural instinct to do whatever feels right to them so it gets them into trouble gets them into danger sometimes you have to discipline them 
They have no frame of reference at times. That's why they need a parent to parent them. Now, why is it that most children, we are patient with like one-year-olds and like maybe six months to one years old. You give them something or they ask for something. They want it. You don't expect them to say please or thank you. But your six-year-old, they better say please or thank you, right? You're fine with an infant whining all day and crying all day. But when your 12-year-old whines and cries all day, you like, go to your room, shut up, I don't want to hear you for the rest of the night. Because when people are young, when they're, when they're babies, they're still developing. But as they grow older... They, they start to have to have standards that they have to meet. And we expect that of them. And so this is what happens in the faith. We've got young baby Christians. They don't know any better. They're still trying to get a frame of reference. That is why we should be patient with them. But as they grow, we start to show them the way, keep them accountable. So they're not whining when they're teenagers. There's nothing worse than a whining teenager. For those of you today, you're not in a place where you can be a spiritual father or mother. Maybe you are young in your faith. Then you do have a responsibility. Paul told Titus, tell the young people to live wisely. Live wisely. What does it mean to live wisely? It doesn't mean that you're old and gray and you're experienced and you're like Yoda and you're like full of wisdom. It means that you pray to God for wisdom. James chapter 1 verse 5 tells us this. It says that you are to pray for wisdom. If you need wisdom, ask our generous God and he will give it to you. He will not rebuke you for asking. It means that this is the one place in the Bible where God is so specific about one thing. That if you need it, pray and God will give it. It doesn't matter if you're 50 years old or 20 years old or 80 years old or 18 years old. You can still have wisdom because wisdom comes from our Father. And He said, if you pray for it, you will get it. That's why it's so important that we need to show people how to pray. Pray for one another. Show those new in the faith how to pray for wisdom. And as we grow in our wisdom, that our lifestyles start to form in the, in, in the image of Christ. And then those who are non-believers or have an agenda against Christians, they can't say anything about us because our lives are so wonderful to them because we're living the lives of Christ. If you are young today, a young Christian, then one of the wisest things that you can do is to seek out people who will be spiritual mothers and fathers to you. See, Generation Church is all about the family. The family of God coming together, all generations, diversity, races, different ones from different backgrounds, coming together as a family. And when the family doesn't work, problems happen. This last Friday I was at a wedding and I met a young girl. She came up to me, she goes, hey Alex, I just want to introduce myself. She goes, she wanted to hear about the church and stuff like that. And as we started talking, I found out that she was a young Christian who had been at a church in Baltimore. And it was a great church because there was a lot of young people at the church. And she got attracted because there was a lot of young people at the church. But she started finding that those young people started hooking up, right? 
Then they got engaged and married. But she was still left by her own. She didn't find anyone else to hook up with. Then those couples started having babies. She said, there was nothing more in what life that I wanted was to be a mother and have a baby. But yet I didn't have a man to have a baby with. And I've just found out I'm never going to be able to have children. She had tears in her eyes. So I started just to tell a little story of our infertility issue that we had for nine years. And, and, and things. But then as we were talking, I started thinking. This woman needed a spiritual mother. She said she left that church because the pain of everybody just talking about their kids all the time was too much for her. It reminded her every day of what she was lacking. So she went and found just a little group of of people who were gathering in a home who didn't have kids. So she didn't have to be confronted with kids. And I was thinking in a family dynamic, a mother would have come around their daughter. They would have hugged their daughter. They would have come and prayed with their daughter. They, They would have encouraged their daughter, lifted their daughter up. But there was nobody in that church who could have done that for her. How sad. That is why we need spiritual fathers and spiritual mothers. We have a vision for this church, and that's to take the gospel of Jesus Christ in practical ways to our community, to our county, to our state, to our nation, to the four corners of the world. But we can only do it when we come together in a unified purpose, encouraging one another, and when the family dynamic is happening of people of all ages, the mature are mentoring the young. The young are seeking out the mature then we will be able to fulfill all that God has for you today. So I'm going to ask the band to come back. And as the band come back, there should be these things on your seat. These are little pieces of paper. There's some that says Pentecost offering, not those ones. The other ones that are these long kind of cardboard, cardstock pieces of paper. And on here, we want to give you the opportunity to respond this morning to help create a healthy family dynamic in this place we call Generation Church. See, I believe that there are people here today and God is wanting you to step up to become a spiritual father or a spiritual mother, to mentor younger people, younger families, younger mothers, younger fathers, people in college, people in high school. So that they become all that God has intended them to become. There's others in this place today. I believe that God is wanting you to come under the mentorship of others. So that you can be guided. So when the trouble of life comes. You won't just run and give up and quit. But you'll have someone there who will come. Put their arm around you and encourage you. So on these cards there's two options. One is to. Take the journey to become a spiritual father or a mother. The first option. The second one is to have someone to guide you and mentor you in the areas of faith. And so if you are wanting to become a spiritual father or mother in this church and you want to go on a path to to learn how to become that, then I I would ask you after service, after we're done today, go over to the info table, mark off that top one, put your name on there, put your phone number, your email address and put it in the baskets. 
If you want somebody to come and help you and mentor you and guide you, then mark the second one off and go and put, put it in the baskets over there. Because to, together we are going to create a healthy family unit of faith here at Generation Church. And it starts with spiritual fathers, spiritual mothers, and then spiritual children being guided. So I believe that God is going to do a great thing here at Generation Church. But it starts with coming together and being unified in one purpose. I want you to bow your heads in prayer.